0: This morning, we are in week four of this series that we've been doing the last several weeks called 5, 10, 15, 20. And in this series, we have had four goals. So everybody say four goals. Give me a big four like this. Four goals. And the four goals go along with the 5, 10, 15, 20. The five is this. If you know it, everybody say it. Come on. If you know it, we're going to memorize five scriptures. And every single week, I'm preaching a passage of scripture that we are memorizing together. In fact, how many are doing good on your scripture? your memory. Doing good, doing good. Some of you aren't doing so good, but you know what? God is doing some stuff in people's lives. In fact, just this past week, I got an email from one of the ladies in the church that just told me, she said, me and another lady in the church have come together to hold each other accountable on memorizing the scriptures, and it has made such a huge difference in my life as I've just been memorizing, and when I feel discouraged or down or whatever, I just go over and over and over in my mind, the scripture that I'm memorizing, and we have even committed to memorizing scripture after the series is over. That's that's pretty cool stuff, right? Yeah, I thought it was pretty cool. Like two of you thought it was cool. Pretty pretty cool stuff. And we're memorizing five scriptures and then the 10 goes like this. Everybody say 10. The 10 goes like this is that we have challenged every person at LifeGate Church over this month to actually spend just 10 minutes every day reading your Bible. It doesn't matter where you read from. You can read from a paper Bible. You can read from your phone. You can read from Old Testament, New Testament, Psalm, Proverbs, whatever you want to do. Just spend 10 minutes a day reading your Bible. And I'm telling you what, God is doing some cool stuff in people. In fact, I got another email this week from one of the ladies in the church that was telling me about her. husband, and she was saying that her husband just hates to read. How many guys know what I'm talking about, right? Her husband, like, he doesn't like to read, and I mean, it's like pulling teeth to get him to read, but he made the commitment at the beginning of this month to actually read his Bible 10 minutes every day, and she was saying, man, it is incredible that he's actually reading it every day, and not just reading it, but actually liking it. That's pretty cool, right? And not just liking it, but getting something from it, and remembering what he has read, and I'm telling you what, that is awesome, right? So the five is memorizing five scriptures. The ten is that we're spending ten minutes every day reading the word of God. The fifteen is this. We have challenged every single person here at LifeGate Church to give fifteen Fire Bibles. And what we have learned in this series is that Fire Bible is a program that we are a part of here at LifeGate that helps to translate Bibles into languages that don't have a Bible in their language. And so we're doing our best to do that. It costs ten dollars to translate a Bible. So we have challenged every Family here at Lifegate. That next Sunday, everybody say next Sunday. Next Sunday, we're going to come together and bring our $150. Every family's going to do that. Some of you are going to do more. Some of you can going to go way above that. But we're all going to do our part. The next Sunday, we're going to bring our Fire Bible offering. And I'll tell you, I'm just getting email after email. In fact, I got another email this week from a guy who doesn't even go to LifeGate Church, but he saw our little update thing on Facebook. He emailed me and said, I want to give $150 to Fire Bible, right? That's cool that's pretty cool. And let me just tell you this, what's your excuse, right? I mean, if somebody who doesn't even come to the church can be a part of it, you can be a part of it too. And all together, what we're going to do, the 20 in the series is that we're going to raise $20,000 next Sunday for Fire Bible. Come on, how me think we can do it. <laughs> I think we can do it because everyone's going to come together and we are experiencing the power of the word of God in our lives. In fact, that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about God's word and the power of God's word in our life. And so what we're going to do is we're going to look at this passage in Luke chapter 7. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and open up to Luke chapter 7. You can go ahead in your LifeGate app or in your notes or on the screen there. And what we're going to do is we're going to read this whole story. Story here and then, inside this story is going to be our memory verse for this week, and I'll tell you which one it is as we come to it. So, let's begin reading in Luke chapter 7 and verse number 1. It says, When Jesus had finished saying all this to the people who were listening, he entered Capernaum, and there a centurion's servant, whom his master valued highly, was sick and about to die. And the centurion heard of Jesus and sent some elders of the Jews to him and asked him to come and heal his servant. And when they came to Jesus, they pleaded earnestly with him. This man deserves to have you do this because he loves our nation and has built our synagogue. So Jesus went to them. And he was not far from the house when the centurion sent his friends to say to him, Lord, don't trouble yourself for I do not deserve to have you come under my roof. This is why I did not even consider myself worthy to come to you. Now here's, here's our memory verse for today. So everyone going to say it aloud, but say the word and my servant will be healed. Come on, say it again, but say the word and my servant will be healed. Verse eight, for I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me. And I tell and I tell this one, go and he goes, and that one come and he comes. And I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed. Everybody say, Amazed. He was amazed at him and turning to the crowd, following him, he said, I tell you, I have not found such great faith even in all of Israel. And then the men who had been sent returned to the house and found the servant well. Man, you talk about incredible. This servant who was sick, about to die, and just a word, one word from Jesus and the servant was healed. You talk about power. In fact, let me just tell you something today. there is power in god 's word. How many believe that right i mean god 's word is so incredibly powerful. I have seen it so many times in my life and as a pastor man i 've seen addictions broken i 've seen marriages healed i 've seen relationships restored i've seen i 've seen incredible things happen just by the power of god 's Word working in and through people's lives. In fact, here's the deal here today. There is no other book like this book. How me believe that? I mean, there, there really is no other book like this book. In fact, that's why we call it the Holy Bible. Because that word holy, you know what it means? It means to be set apart. It means to be different. You know, there are a lot of good books in the world, and I'm not just talking about comic books. I'm not just talking about picture books. I'm talking about good books, and yet none of those books have have the power that this book has. In fact, the most powerful thing in all of the universe is God's Word. Did you know that? I mean, the word of Christ, the word of God, actually, he spoke a word and all of the universe came into existence just by one word. He said, let there be light. And boom, there was light. He said, let there be stars in the sky and let there be the moon and let there be the earth and the ground and the seas and the creatures of the earth and the creatures of the sea. And just with one word, it all came to be. That's the power of God's word. It's the power of his breath that even, even when we know the story that he created Adam from the dust and then what did he do? He breathed into him. That's the, that's the power of God's word that he breathes life. In fact, the scripture says it like this in second Timothy three and verse 16, it says that all scripture is inspired by God. One, one version says it is, it is God breathes that it is profitable for teaching and rebuking and correcting. and and training us that it's the breath of God, the word of God that is so incredibly powerful in our lives. That's what I want to talk about for just a few minutes here this morning. I want to talk about the power of God's word, and then I want to look at this story, and I want to talk about how we can tap into that power in our lives. So if you're taking notes, I want you to write down just three things about the power of God's word. The first one is this, that God's word has the power to activate, everybody say activate. to activate my faith. In fact, look, look what the scripture says about it in Romans 10 and verse 17. It says, faith comes by what? By hearing the message, and the message is heard how? Through the word of Christ. That God's word has the power to bring faith, to let faith be activated in my life. In fact, some of you have maybe experienced this before. I mean, have you ever been reading your Bible and maybe as you're reading it, maybe you're a little bit discouraged or maybe you're just feeling a little bit worried or anxious or feel fearful, but then as you read it, something just kind of starts to ignite in your heart. Have you ever felt that way before? And it's like, maybe you're even in in a church service or in a Bible study or as the pastor is preaching and maybe you, were you know worried or anxious or fearful and then as the word is being is being spoken it's like something just begins to be activated in your heart and you kind of leave going man maybe I came in thinking I don't know if I can do it but I'm leaving going I can do this anybody ever been there before right what is that that is the power of God's word to activate faith in our hearts and in our lives in fact this is what's different between God's word and just another just another self help book. You know, there's nothing wrong with self help books, leadership books, business books, things like that. I read those and, and they're I mean there are great principles that are found in some of these books. And yet the difference between the Bible and some of these other books is this, that, you know, a self-help book, it'll tell you, you know, some things that you should do that will help you. It might say, hey, you need to stop worrying, or maybe you need to break some old habits, or you need to start some new habits. And all those things, would you agree, those are good things that you should do, right? And yet here's the difference is that while those books will tell you things that are good things that you need to do, they don't give you the power to actually do it. Because we've all done that. We read a book and go, man, I know I should be better at this, or I should be a better parent, or I should stop this, or do that, or whatever. But then we go, I don't know how to do it. And that's where the Word of God comes in, that, that it is supernatural. It is, it is alive, that it doesn't just tell us what to do. It actually, through the power of God's Word, actually gives us the power to be able to do it. I've, I mean, I've experienced this in my own life so many times before. I mean, you, you know the story of how when God called us to come here and start this church and I, and the fear that I felt as I'm thinking I'm moving to a new town and people I don't know and we don't have any money or a building or people. And I start thinking about, you know, my wife and what about hers? She grew up in, in Midland where we lived at the time and her family all lives there and her mom lives there. And then I start thinking about my two little kids and like, how are we going to do all this and money? and all of this kind of stuff. And I remember as I had all of this, all this fear and all these things about obeying what God wanted me to do. And I remember going in to pray and and begin to read my Bible and how God gave me a word in Psalm 128 in verse number one, where it said blessings on all who reverence and trust the Lord on all who obey him. Your reward will be prosperity and happiness. Your wife will be content in her home. And look at those children there. They sit around the dinner table, vigorous and healthy like you. Young olive trees. I always thought it'd be two, but now it's three. Come on. And that is God's reward to those that reverence and trust Him. And it was like, as I read that, and all the fears and all the stuff that was going on in my mind, but as I read that, it was like there was faith that just began to arise in me. And I was like, I don't know how we're going to do it. I don't know how it's going to happen, but I can do this. And what is that? That's the power of God's word to activate our faith. So everybody say, activate your faith. Number two, write this one down. The power of God's word is that not only does it activate our faith, but number two, write this down, it stimulates our growth. You know, I I look at what Paul says to the church of Ephesus in Acts chapter 20 and verse number 32, and look what he says. He says, I commit to you. Or I commit you to God and to the, what does it say? To the word of his grace, which can, everybody say it out loud, which can build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. Paul says, here's what the word of God does. Here's the power of the word of God, that it has the power to build you up. It has the power to cause you to grow. And then notice this, something very interesting here. He says, and it'll give you an inheritance. How many know what an inheritance is? How many are hoping one of these days you'll get an inheritance? Come on. Now, just imagine with me for just a second here. Imagine that you had a rich uncle. Maybe his name is Bill Gates. I don't know, something like that. And imagine that you were actually in his will, right? Wouldn't that be cool? Come on. You're talking, that's good stuff right there. And imagine that Bill Gates then dies and you are in the will, but you never go and read the will, That wouldn't be very smart, would it? Right? I mean, why? I mean, you would be missing out on something that is rightfully yours. Well, let me just tell you something here today. You have an inheritance that is greater than even when if you had a rich uncle named Bill Gates. Because you are a child of God, you are his son and daughter, you have an inheritance. He has things for you that are beyond what you could ever even imagine. But here's the sad thing that so many Christians miss out on all the big stuff that God has for them because they never open up and read the will. And they're missing out on the things that God wants to bring in our life. And Paul says, You have an inheritance, and that inheritance comes to you through God's. Word that it will build you up to make you all that he wants you to be. In fact, we just read this passage of scripture in 1 Timothy 3, 16, but let's look at it again. It says, And all scripture is God-breathed, and it is useful for teaching and rebuking, for correcting and training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be, look at this, may be thoroughly equipped for every good work, what is the power of the Word of God? The power of the Word of God is that it gives us all that we need to live out the purpose that God has for us. It grows us into the person that God wants us to be so that we can live out the purpose that he has called for us to live. And then it shows us how it does it. It says that that it, it teaches us, and it rebukes us, and it corrects us, and it trains us. Now, let's talk about those words for just a second here. What what does that mean, that it, that it teaches us Well, it teaches us basically just means that God's word shows us the path that we ought to go on. But then it says that it it rebukes us. Now, nobody likes to be rebuked, right? But you know what that means? Basically, what the word of God does is that it doesn't just teach us which path that we should be on. But then when we get off the path, it just shows us that we're off the path. That's what rebuking means. And then look what it says. It corrects us. You know what that means? It means that when we get off the path, it doesn't just tell us, hey, you're off the path, but it actually gets a course correction to get us back on the right path. And then it trains us. And you know what that means? That means it shows us how to stay on the right path and not get off of the right path. Come on. This is what God's word does in our life. It puts us on the right path. And when we get off the right path, as we're reading and studying it, it just just tells us, hey, that's not the right path. And you get back over on on the right path. And then it shows us how to get back on the right path. And then it teaches us how to stay on the right path. That's the power of God's word. Come on. It's the power of God's word to stimulate our growth, to cause us to grow into all that God wants us to be. Number three, write this one down. The power of God's word is this: is that God's word doesn't just activate my faith and stimulate my growth, but number three, it elevates my mood. How many know somebody that's just in a bad mood? Come on, if they're here, don't point at them. Don't, man. That's 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 not good. But you know what? Some of some of you are in a bad mood. You know what you need when you're when your mood is down, when you're discouraged, when you're depressed. When your mood is low, you know what you need? You need a word from God. Yes. Some of you are going to go out and buy your spouse a Bible just because of that. <laughs> buy him a Bible, but don't tell them it's because you want to be in a better mood. But you know what? Here's the truth is... A lot of times we, we struggle with discouragement and we're down and things like that. And we look to everything else except to God's word. You know what we really need? We need to open up the Bible. The next time you're having a bad day, you know what you, you know what I challenge you to do? Open up your Bible app and just begin to read. And I'm telling you what will happen as you begin to read. You know what's going to happen? It's going to change your mood. It's gonna change the way that you, that you feel. That's the power of God's word is that it, it elevates our mood. In fact, this is what Romans 15 and verse four says. It says everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through endurance and the encouragement of scripture, we might have what? We might have hope. Look what the scripture says in Psalm 19 and verse seven. It says, "In the law of the Lord is perfect, and what does it do? It refreshes the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise people simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving what? Giving joy to the heart. The commandments of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. I'm telling you, if your heart is discouraged, if your eyes are down, if you don't have, if your if your soul is is down, you know what you need. You need a refreshment refreshing of the soul, you need joy in your heart, you need light in your eyes, and you know where that comes from. It comes from God's word. So you might say, "Man, that's cool. God's word is powerful." But how do I, how do I tap into that power in my life? Well, let's look at this story that was our text for today, and let's let's look at this Roman centurion who comes to Jesus in the power of God's word. That heals his servant. And let's just notice just three things just real quick here today. If I want to tap in to the power of God's word, I, I got to do these three things. The first one is this. I got to look to it. Everybody say look to it. I got to look to God's word. Notice, notice the passage in verse number, seven, uh, verse number one of Luke 7. Look what it says. A centurion's servant... Whom his master valued highly was sick and was about to die. And the centurion heard of Jesus and sent some elders of the Jews to him, asking him to come and heal his servant. When, when the servant was sick, where did the centurion look? He looked to Jesus. He looked, he looked to God. He looked to the word. We know that the scripture teaches us that Jesus is the word, that in the beginning was the word and the word became flesh, that Jesus is the word in the flesh. And here's the Roman centurion. He has this person that he loves that is about to die. And who does he look to? He, he doesn't look to doctors or physicians. He doesn't look anywhere else. Who does he look to? He looks to the word. He looks to Jesus. Some of you came in here today and maybe you're discouraged or you're down. Maybe you have circumstances. You have relationships that are dying. You have financial situations that are falling apart. You've got issues and, and struggles that you have. And here's the deal. The problem for most of us is that we look everywhere else except for to the word. We're discouraged and we're down, and we think, "Well, if I could just, you know, if I could just take a vacation, that's what I really need. I just need a trip. I need a vacation. I need a break, or I just need a day sitting at home, binge watching my Netflix for a little while. And that'll make me feel better." Some people look to the, you know, look to the bottle, or they look to pills, or they look to all these different things. And, and we, we look to, we look to all this stuff to try to bring this healing that we need in our heart. And the only thing that's really going to bring the healing that we need in our heart is God's word in our lives. If you're down and you're discouraged today, you know what you need? You need to look to God's word. In fact, this is what the scripture says in 1 Peter chapter one and verse 23, it says, for you have been born again, not of perishable things, but of imperishable through the living and enduring word of God. Here's what Peter is saying. Peter is saying that so many times, here's what happens when we're, when we're discouraged and when we're down, we look to perishable things. We look to things that, that will bring us some kind of relief, but those reliefs are really only temporary relief. I mean, you might find a little relief on vacation. Yeah, come on. You might find a little relief with the day off. You might find a little relief even in in some pills or a bottle or in relationships or in whatever it is that you're looking to. But that relief is only temporary. Temporary. It won't last. It's a perishable thing. And so Peter says, hey, stop looking to perishable things to bring about the relief and the healing and the power that you need in your life and begin to look to the one thing that is imperishable, the one thing that will last, the one thing that really can change your life. Begin to look to the living and enduring word of God. You gotta look to it. You gotta make it your go-to. Number two, write this down. Not only we have to look to it, We have to submit to it, man. this is a tough one, but notice what we see in this, in this passage in verse number seven. The centurion says, for I'm not even worthy to come and meet you, so just say the word from where you are, and my servant will be healed. I know this, listen to this, how do I know this? Because I am under authority, everybody say authority, I am under authority of my superior officers, and I have authority over my soldiers. I only need to say go, and they go, and come, and they come, and, it is just, and, and I say to my slaves, do this, and they do it. Here's the, here's the Roman centurion, and it's so, what's so powerful about him is he understood authority. He understood what it meant to be in submission and to have people in submission to him because he was a Roman soldier. And he said, hey, I've got people that are over me that I submit to them. They are in authority over me, but I also have people that are under me and I, and they have to submit to my authority. So he understood authority and he put himself under the authority of Christ's word. You know, many of you, you know, you have people that are in authority over you. You know what? When someone or something is in authority over you, what do you do? You submit to it. You don't don't question it, even when you don't understand it, even when it doesn't seem to make sense, even when you don't like it. I mean, just for instance, if if you're here today and you work, you probably have a boss, right? And you have someone who is in authority over you. Now, when your boss says to do something, what do you do? You do it. You submit to that. Either you're going to submit to what he says or you're going to submit a resignation. But either way, you're going to submit. Right? And sometimes you don't understand why the boss is telling you to do what he's telling you to do. Sometimes you don't like what the boss is telling you to do. Sometimes the boss is telling you to do something that wouldn't be the way that you would do it. Come on, anybody relate to this? But he's your boss, and so he is in what? In authority over you, so you submit to that authority. Let's put it, let's put it another way. How many of you are parents here today? Come on, raise your hand if you're a parent. You have children, and your children are what? Hopefully under your authority. Right? Especially if they're living if you're if they're living in your house. I remember my dad used to tell me, you can do whatever you want, but as long as you live under my roof, you're doing what I tell you. Come on, how me know what I'm saying? And what is that? That's authority. But you know what? Even when even when I lived under my dad's roof, when there were times when I didn't understand why he was telling me to do this and I didn't like what he was telling me to do, I always trusted that he was my father and he loved me and the reason that he was telling me that was he had some good in mind for me so I would submit to his authority because of his love for me. I trusted him. And here's the deal. God's word is the authority for life. It is. And so here's what we have to do instead of questioning it, instead of going, well, I don't really understand that part or that really wouldn't be in the way that I would do it or I don't really, that's kind of uncomfortable. I don't like the way that says or whatever and I'll just pick parts of it and do those parts and not do the other parts. No, 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 no. Here's what we have to do. We have to settle the issue. Come on, somebody say "Settle settle the issue. Settle the issue right now. God's word is the authority for my life. Even when I don't understand it. Even when I don't like it. Even when it's not the way that I would do it. I trust that God loves me enough that he gave me his word to direct and guide my life. And if I follow it, that's what's going to be the best for me. So I settle the issue and I submit to God's word as the authority of my life. In fact, 1 Thessalonians 2 and verse 13, Paul says it like this, and we also thank God continually because you received the word of God and when you received it, you didn't just hear it from us, but you what? You accepted it, not as human word, but as it actually is the word of God. Man, I'm telling you, this is the, this is the deal. If you don't get anything else before you leave today, get this, God's word is the authority. You know what? It may not be what's popular. It may not be what culture is saying. It may not be what is maybe logical sometimes to us. It may not go along with what I am feeling, but I decide in my heart that, hey, even if it's not popular and even if I don't feel it or like it and even if it doesn't even make sense in my mind, I submit to it. Number three, write this down. How do I experience the power of God's word in my life? I have to believe in it. See, here's what we see with this, with this man and in the passage, Jesus looks at the man and said, I have never seen faith quite like this faith, that you would believe that all I need is just one word, one word, my servant would be healed. I wonder, I wonder sometimes, do we have that kind of faith? Like, do we really believe, I know we preach this and it's, hey, we say amen and stuff. And do we really believe that, all we really need is God's word in our life? If we really believe that, let me just challenge you on this. If you really believe that, don't you think we'd read it more? Don't you think we'd study it more? Like if we really believe that it's this powerful, don't you think when the pastor says memorize five verses in five weeks, we'd go, man, that's easy. We should be doing a verse a day. Come on. You know what I'm saying? If we really believed that God's word is this powerful, don't you think that when the pastor says we ought to give $150 uh, per family to Fireball, we go, we gotta do way more than that because there are people that don't have this power in their lives. And here's the deal is that that we've got to truly get it in our hearts that we believe that God's word is powerful enough to change lives. In fact, that's what we're all about here at LifeGate Church, our vision statement. Changing lives in a changing culture. With what? With the unchanging truth. What is the unchanging truth? God's word. And if we really believe this, it'll, it'll show in the way that we live. In fact, James said it like this. Faith without action is dead. If we really believe God's word is powerful and yet we don't do anything with it and we don't do anything about it and we don't read it, study it, memorize it, live it out in our lives, then we, we don't really believe it. Because here's how you measure what you really believe. You measure what you really believe by what you actually do. So if I, if I really believe something, then I'm going to live it out in my life. Some of you, that's the challenge today to say, hey, you know, I need the power of God's word in my life. I've got to get to the place where I believe this. I really believe that this is the most important thing, that I've got to get it in my mind, in my heart daily. I've got to submit my life to it. I've got to look to it whenever I'm facing struggles and problems because it is the authority for my life.